all got that voice in our head that tells us we can't do stuff. But some people are just better at not listening to it. And by sitting down with those people, asking them questions, and then you know, recording it and blasting it out on the internet, perhaps, maybe, I can help other people like me get out of our own way. Hey guys, welcome back to Closure Optional. I don't have a guest for you this week because this week I'm talking about the party that I went to last night. <laughs> Seems silly to have a guest after um, ah, after going through going through. It's like I, it sounds like it was traumatic. It wasn't at all. After doing something like that and experiencing something like that, it seemed like the only right thing to do is to do it justice by explaining it to the internet for all of eternity. <laughs> This isn't like a new thing that I'm doing. It's not like a new part of my personality that I'm exploring. Um, this was, it all kind of started because I interviewed a lady called Priestess Desire on episode 50 of this podcast. She is a professional dominatrix. And the day I met her, she took me to her place of business, which is this giant um, house called Haven 33, which was a brothel that they turned into a sort of like an amusement park for fetish and kink. This place is f- fucking incredible. It's it's actually like very beautifully done. <laughs> They've made this place, it's like, I don't know, maybe 11 bedrooms, 13 bedrooms, something like that. And each different room's got its own theme. It's got its own shit that goes on inside it for any various kink that you might be uh, interested in exploring. So if you would like to see more about what this place is before I get into the depths of this podcast, there is a video that I did with her from that day when I went and visited. It's on my YouTube channel, I think that about six people probably know about, and that video is called A Tour of Haven 33 with Priestess Desire. So if you'd like to look that up before you listen to this story, it may help you get a bit of a visual context about what this place is like. I um, I also have shared it on my Instagram and my Facebook too. So if you want to go find that, there is links to find that thing there. Before I get into the story of the podcast, I just want to quickly say thank you to everybody for your feedback about last week's podcast. I am a, I always love hearing feedback from any of the podcasts, but I especially like the ones where I do them by myself because it's good to know that I'm making sense to people. I know I say this all the time, but I really, really, really appreciate it. And it's particularly this one because uh, I was dealing with a lot of kind of philosophy and psychology that I know very little about, but it was really good to know that people were getting something out of it. So thank you again for your messages. As always, please, by all means, keep sending them in. Um, Also, thank you to my new patrons. That was amazing. What a lovely surprise coming back from Bali and having a couple new patrons. So I really, really appreciate that. And I will be sending out your rewards uh, through the course of this week if that was uh, one of the tiers that you did. And so if you want to support this podcast, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. You can go just to my Facebook or Instagram pages, like them, subscribe to them. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or whatever app that you use to have podcasts because it's in all of them. You can share your favorite episode with one of your friends, uh, tell people about it, whatever. Also, if you've got some extra cash and you want to support the podcast financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash Lorna Bremner. And for the cost of like a cup of coffee a month, even less possibly, depending if you use coconut milk. Um, yeah, you can support the podcast and help me keep my dreams alive of going to kink parties and getting whipped on a wheel. 
<laughs> I didn't get whipped on a wheel, but I'll get into that soon. All right, on to the meat of the podcast. First, I want to start by saying thank you to the people at 33 and all of the people that were kind enough to let me record uh, or film them doing their various things during this party last night. It was so hard to get footage of what was actually going on. Um, just because, like, uh, first of all, I think I was just over, just like a sensory overload. There was so much going on, and I'm so new in this environment. I don't know a lot of people, so it was really hard. I'm awkward enough as it is. And then trying to go and, like, walk into a room where a guy's strapped naked to a wheel and someone's, like, whipping his hard dick. It's, like, awkward for me to walk up there and be like, hi, first, do you mind if I watch you do this? Second, do you mind if I film you doing this? And third, do you mind signing this consent form so that there's no confusion later that you said it was okay for me to film your dick? It was <laughs> so I didn't I couldn't really find like an appropriate time to do it. Some people I managed to talk to before they got involved in their scenes or whatever, so I was able to get um kind of introduce myself and let them know what I was doing. But yeah, I didn't get as much footage as I'd like to, but I think out of respect for the people involved and for the sake that just filming some people and putting that shit up on the internet could put somebody's life, their job, their marriage, whatever, in jeopardy, I just, it was definitely better to avoid. <laughs> so uh, out of respect for the people involved and for the kind of trust that they allowed me to go in and document any of this, I, uh, I didn't really get very much footage. But anyways, of what I did get, you guys will get to see that over the next couple weeks. Yeah, and saying that, I mean, I definitely really appreciate that these people sort of let me into there. Um, I re a lot of it was fucking crazy to me, but I genuinely respect that these people kind of like, they don't seem to, they, there is an element, there's a very serious element to this thing because the whole thing can be, there's some dangerous stuff that gets involved. Sex stuff is always kind of scary and confusing. And so there's a serious element to this where they've tried to eliminate any confusion about the sex by making sure that there's written, approved consent, negotiations that happen before any of them get involved in any of their play. But I noticed that these people, in contrast to other kind of fringe weird shit that I've seen, don't seem to have, they're not taking themselves too seriously. Like everybody, they're pretty fucking laid back. <laughs> I think like when you've had a needle through your dick, nothing else really matters anymore. <laughs> but um, especially the people that run 33, like I can't thank them enough. Um, you'd hardly, there's some of like the nicest kindest, most interesting people I've ever met. And you'd hardly expect them to be capable of like whipping someone's ass until it bled or sewing someone's balls together. But like, that's the whole thing. They don't have to hide what they're into because this is the place where they're allowed to be whatever the fuck they want to be. Um, it's like they kind of fit together like puzzle pieces. One person likes getting whipped. The other person really likes doing the whipping. So they find each other, they make an agreement and off they go. So uh, I've also got a couple short interviews that I did during the night. So I'm going to include those in here. Uh, sorry about the audio. It's going to be a little bit different than obviously the audio in my studio. But a couple, few different interviews that I've got through here dotted in amongst my story. Uh, I obviously need a little tiny bit of a disclaimer here. Please bear in mind that this story is meant to be entertaining and accurate from my point of view. But out of respect for the people involved, I'm conscious that some things are sort of best 
left off the internet. Um, if I say something that's offensive or seems unkind or rude or whatever, please send me a message and we'll discuss the thing. I'm not trying to be an asshole. I learned my lesson the last time I recorded a fuckwit pot podcast after a weird sexual experience and I definitely don't want to do that again um also it's I need to make it very clear that everything all the sex stuff that I'm talking about everything that I'm about to tell you about is done between consenting adults so they weren't just like letting anyone in off the street it wasn't just like this chaotic free-for-all and it's also not a licensed venue so they're not serving alcohol or you can't buy drinks or anything inside there so um it's a private party people were allowed to drink if they wanted to but I very quickly noticed that drinking was like one of the last things that people were interested in doing <laughs> amongst the many other things that they could be doing throughout the course of the night. So to give you a little background about what fetish and kink is, kink is, uh, roughly speaking, unconventional sexual, unconventional, sorry, sexual practices. And fetish is like the sexualization of an inanimate object or a f material or a non-genital body part, according to Wikipedia. So kink is kind of like the overall blanket, and fetish is one aspect of having a kink in this thing. Um, and there's a whole community involved in this. So there's a whole bunch of different people that have got varying levels of kink and fetish in this entire community. It could just be something as simple as liking to watch people have sex with each other that are interested, and then the people that are being watched are exhibitionists, and they want to be watched. So, I mean, it could be something as simple as that. Or you could get a needle through your dick. So... Um, usually what you think of when you think of like unusual sex stuff, besides the, your standard kind of foot fetishes or a fur fetish or something is BDSM, bondage, domination and submission, um, sadomasochism. This is like your traditional dominatrix and slave type of dynamic, whatever. It's a power dynamic where one person kind of wields all the power in the scenario and the other person is completely submissive to doing whatever they want to do. This could be um, like shackles and whipping or whatever or just rope bondage. And a lot of this stuff doesn't necessarily have to have any sex involved in it. Like the, the thing itself is about the power dynamic and about... Uh, playing around with, I guess, your own ability to be vulnerable in a situation with somebody that you have previously consented to allowing them to do whatever the fuck you want to, they want to do with you. And um, then there, there's also like uh, having wax stripped onto you or being, <laughs> this is a brand new thing for me, I didn't realize, being stepped on by somebody in high heels, like a dominatrix standing on top of you and pressing her heels into your body. <laughs> Um, being hosed down, shackled to a wall and being sprayed with a hose or whatever. And then like some of the most extreme stuff that I saw uh, would be what they call medical play. And that is like needles or other sharp implements going into the skin to make a person bleed. And that shit was pretty hectic. The main thing about all of this stuff, again, if it feels like I'm repeating myself, it's because I just going to see this shit in real life, I realized how critically important it is, is everything that goes on in this entire environment because obviously like needles and shit and getting whipped and fucking tied up to a rope and hung from the ceiling there is a lot that can go wrong here so they call it uh safe sane and consensual to start with so like it has to be done safely both parties have to be sane 
and consciously aware of what they're doing and then having uh, appropriate consent written out or at least agreed upon beforehand. And then that kind of the newer, uh, a kid was telling me about this last night that sometimes not everything can be exactly safe. Obviously, we like under normal circumstances, putting a needle through your vagina lips is not necessarily what some people would consider safe, but as long as they do it in the safest way possible, um, then it, it's okay. And so they've got a new little acronym that they call RAC, which is Risk Aware Consensual Kink. And that means that you understand that s- some of the shit contains risks and knowing those risks, you still consent to letting it happen and then you can get amongst it. Um, there's a bunch of different ways of doing this. There's an app called the No Gray app, which is designed to help people negotiate the terms, I guess, or um, get written, agreed upon consent before they engage in any of this play so that there's no confusion afterward. Like, you know, if you agree to be tied up to a rope or tied up by a rope and hung from the ceiling and then whipped by a certain kind of whip, but you don't agree to be touched or kissed or something in that position, then if the person who's tying you up crosses one of those lines, you know where you stand, you know, and, and that there's so much trust that like when you're fucking hung up with your hands tied behind your back from a rope from the ceiling with nothing, there's nothing you can do. I can see how critically important it is that that person doesn't fucking toe the line. Like doesn't get ahead of themselves and start putting their dick in your ear or whatever. So, Haven 33 hosts a kink party once a month where these people get to explore their fetishes. And uh, I was lucky enough to be back from Bali in time to go. This party was a cosplay theme. My first idea, (laughs) I was thinking I would go as Chewbacca, but first I couldn't find the costume. And also many of my friends told me that that's inappropriate to dress like that at a sex party. You have to be... Uh, much more sexually appealing than like a giant alien beast or whatever. So I dressed up as a real slutty Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. If you'd like to see photos of what I looked like, uh, I did put those up on my Facebook and Instagram. It's probably the only time you'll ever see me with lipstick on and uh, an attempt at high heels, which didn't last very long, I can tell you, but it was fun while it lasted. Oh, I was so fucking nervous. I, I, I had no idea what to expect. I, I had met, obviously, Priestess and a few of the people that run 33 before this, and they were all really nice to me, and they all assured me that you don't have to participate in anything you don't want to. But I just had no idea. I didn't know if people would, like, just get ahead of themselves and just, you know, you'd have hands all over you and people trying to fuck you and, like, old men in gimp masks trying to rub their body against you. It was a <laughs> fucked up thing. I had no... I just had no concept of it. I just thought it was going to be this, like, free-for-all. And um, I was lucky, a friend of mine offered to come with me so that at least I had a friendly face there that had never been to anything like that either. So we could go together and (laughs) digest the whole thing together. But it turns out that um, by using like this app, like the No Gray app and a website called FetLife, it's not a sexual free-for-all at all. The people actually going to these parties have kind of pre-arranged in advance, like sort of pre-booked what they're going to be doing with each other. So when I got there, it was like people couldn't give a fuck whether I was there or not. Everyone was really friendly to me. Everyone was really kind and nice. But it was like I I hadn't prearranged to be tied up um, to the wall or whatever, so nobody tied me up to the wall. It was pretty simple. So they have this 
they have like a very long drawn out sort of negotiation period where they really decide exactly what the lines are, get that kind of locked into stone. And then they go, all right, well, looks like this place, this room is going to be free for me to drip wax on your vagina and whip you. So let's do that around 1030 ish. Um, I'm just going to go and mingle now and get myself ready and bring my toolbox in. And then I'll meet you back in this room at 1030. Uh, so it was, it was amazing. It was amazingly uh, structured compared to what I imagined it was going to be. And, and it possibly, honestly, this might have been like an unusual party to go to first because it was a cosplay theme, but I think it kind of helped me because I didn't have any idea what the uh, normal attire would be to go to a sex party. I obviously don't have any leather gimp masks or anything or any six-inch heels to wear, so I wouldn't have known what to dress like. So I was lucky that I could dress up like a slutty Dorothy and interact with a Pokemon and Captain America or whatever throughout the course of the night. But it was funny because it was like you can't tell how strange a normal kink party would be dressed because these people are in like already crazy outlandish outfits, like the sexiest version of Supernova you've ever seen. (laughs) It was funny. There was all kinds of ranges of people. There were people that were just dressed in like sexy outfits and then there were um, like full-on furry Pokemons, Captain America, tree nymphs, like woodland fairies, me. There was another Dorothy there, and uh, I was embarrassed because I walked in the door, and I said, oh, hey, you're Dorothy. And she goes, oh, what are you? I was like, well, I'm Dorothy. Can you see my basket? <laughs> and she, she didn't get it, so that was kind of embarrassing. But besides that, I dealt with the shame of that later on in the evening, so it's fine. As soon as we got there, uh, Priestess luckily was at the door. She gave me a lovely hug and took me in to meet one of the owners of the place so that we could kind of get the lay of the land and figure out how to go about getting consent and sorting out like what's appropriate, what's okay, what's not okay, how do I even fucking navigate this place. So immediately, as soon as I got there, I felt a lot more comfortable about it. And um, he was like, well, I've got a great interview to start with. If you'd like, I'll help. I'll feed you some people to interview if you want before the party really kicks off. And let's go. So we walked upstairs into the main party area. In if you go upstairs, and there are a couple open rooms that are nearby that have got kind of like shackles on the wall and leather chairs and stuff. There's a big dance floor in the center, and then a stage off to one side. And then up projected on the wall was like just a giant screen of cosplay porn. <laughs> it was really funny. I was talking to the person that I was about to interview, and as I was just looking past, uh, he's talking to me about the importance of consent, and this, he was explaining this um, RAC acronym, the Risk Aware Consensual Sex, and then I'm just looking past him, and all I can see is just like a dick going in and out of this girl's mouth, <laughs> projected on the wall, just like a giant human-sized dick. It was pretty funny. But anyway, so I met my first interviewee and we walked downstairs to go into one of one of the rooms. There, each room has got its own theme and stuff inside it, but there are a few rooms that just have like a bed and a couple chairs in them. So we went into one of these rooms and this kid, I keep calling him a kid because I, f- I don't know, I think he must have been between 23 and 25 years old and he wouldn't have been out of place at like a video game shop or like a you know, like a blockbuster video or whatever. Or like maybe one of those shops in the mall that sells like wacky music t-shirts. He was really friendly and charming. And he, 
<laughs> but he was dressed head to toe in latex, in like a latex, he calls it a cat suit. He's got a cape and a skin tight one piece latex suit. And then at the bottom, he had like a pair of sexy bright red stiletto knee high boots. And he was walking around in these boots like he had been born in them. Like, and they were at least four inch heels. Like I was like clomping along behind him like a man who just come off of the footy pitch. <laughs> and he's just dancing off into the wilderness in front of me. <laughs> and also an amazing thing, like to be very stereotypical here, this kid wasn't like camp at all. You know, like you imagine somebody wearing six inch bright red stiletto heel, or four, sorry, four inch probably stiletto heels. You'd think that there would be an element of camp to him, but he, he wasn't at all. He was just like a very sweet, charming, normal kid. And kid, you know, kid to me, I'm, I'm 33 years old, so a kid to me is somebody 10 years younger than me. He was definitely older than 18, okay? So anyways, we went down into one of the bedrooms, and this here is a snippet of the interview that I did with him. Please enjoy. Hello, how are you? Good. So how long have you been doing this for? Um, so far as like actively being a part of the kink scene, just over two years. But um, for me personally and sexuality, I like discovered my sexuality through a fetish for latex gloves. Um, so it's always been a part of me. So yeah, coming and being part of the community is more or less sort of my home, as it were. Like it's, it's not going to ever stop or be different in my life. Yeah, well, that's cool. So, like, you take something that you could have been ashamed of or worried about or felt weird with. Oh, I definitely then, was to start yeah. with. So, like, when, you, you know, when you're a younger teenager and that kind of thing, sorting out sexuality and whatnot, I knew that other people were into it and whatnot, but um, I was fully of the opinion that... And, like, I still do believe this. Like, it is weird, but that weird is okay. It just took me time to learn that it is okay. I was very fortunate that my first high school girlfriend, when I expressed like these kink desires and stuff to her, that she um, not only was like okay with it, but she was also supportive and wanting to explore stuff herself. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think so many people are, but it's just stigmatized and they're worried about like, where does it lead? And that's my biggest thing. Like, I always wonder about that. Like, if you lean into a fetish, does it make it worse? Um, or, like, more intense? Or? I can't say from a psychology perspective. I know that people can, for example, be weaned off fetishes. So, theoretically, the more you indulge in a thing, um, so far as I understand, brain, and this is my personal understanding of brain science, so you can't take this as <laughs> any, any qualified anything. Um, yeah, like, I'm in no way I'm just, like, a person who has a wide general knowledge. So, but in general, the more you do a thing, that the more it reinforces those pathways in your brain. So, like, for me, my sexuality, because I've always been indulging a lot in kink and that kind of thing, um, having what we more call vanilla sex, um, which is sex without kinks in it, I, it doesn't have as great a appeal for me um, to the point where I... There, there are most people who I would um, interact with in a sexual sense I wouldn't do in a vanilla way. Wow, wow, that's interesting. So you basically just get to a point where you're kind of like, well, it doesn't turn me on if I'm not doing something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah, more or less. Um, you know, like but the other asset for me is that like there are people who I might not normally find attractive, um, but as soon like if I'm if I find that they have a kink or something like that, then the. Uh, my attraction to them, you know, increases and it leaves um, it leaves you with opportunities to play with people who you wouldn't necessarily interact with in a purely, yeah, 
like normal. I get that when I have ecstasy. No. <laughs> I, 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 I cannot I cannot actually relate. I've never personally done really? any um any not even weed or something like that, you know? Yeah, oh, just wow. so the yeah, I, I tend to stink to alcohol and weird sex. Um It's <laughs> fine, we've all got our kinks, right? But that's a funny thing, like that I mean that's exactly what happens to me. It's like you have this um like you have your kind of normal judgment critical barriers that live in your life and then all of a sudden you take a substance or you find a connection on a different kind of level and then all of a sudden that stuff fades away. That's mm. interesting, man. I would have never thought that. So are you comfortable talking about what your specific kink is? Like yeah, when you said you, you're into latex, what does that mean? Um, so latex is a material, it's harvested from latex trees. It's, it's like most other materials, it has its own quirks. But uh, I've been told by, by designers it can be difficult to work with, but it can have a very rewarding thing. When we should note that you are head-to-toe latex right now. Um, I'm not currently wearing a hood, but yeah, just about. <laughs> um, yeah, like I'm, so yeah, I'll, uh, my outfit tonight is like a full latex catsuit, which is full body. I don't, it doesn't have, it um, has an opening for my hands, feet, and head, really. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I um, really enjoy getting the opportunity to dress up in latex and that kind of thing. Um, a, being from Queensland, I don't get many opportunities outside of, like, air-conditioned clubs like here at 33. But also, it's with it being such an unusual thing, I, I wouldn't personally feel comfortable walking down the street or something in it. I've walked in uh, Pride Parade last year wearing a little bit of kink gear. But beyond that, no, I, there's lots of kinksters that um, they'll wear certain costumes or design and they in, indulge in fetishes that they simply would not be comfortable with anywhere else. Yeah. I, I love the, the tight, constricted feeling. Um, I have a oh, latex corset. You like that bed upstairs? Yeah, I actually, oh. I'm happy to run that and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, that thing fucking scares the shit out of me. I, I don't, like, so I do understand people, it, it, like, there is an initial scary thing, but often I've found on a night, like, I'll put one, two, three people in, and then there's a line of, like, five people wanting to go in. Es- essentially what it is, is I've had it described to me um, as it's similar to skydiving or just regular diving. It's a, it's a whole body feeling. So if you've ever tried any other bondage or stuff like that, essentially, sorry, I should explain. A latex vac bed is a um, is essentially it's a latex bag that you lie in, and we you suck all of the air out of the bag with a vacuum, um, and when that happens, the person can't move inside the bag. So essentially, they become like Han Solo in Kryptonite and all that kind of thing. Yeah, sorry, not now in uh, the Carbonite and that kind of thing. You know, like you get there's no freedom of movement. But it feels really amazing to get touched in it and the sensations around it. Um, so if you'll feel my latex glove. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so that's, that's um, yeah, latex is has this real silky thing. And plus, my, I haven't been shined up properly at the moment. But when you, sh- <laughs> when you shine it up, um, there's some people who, um, when they're doing the shining and whatnot, they're able to get like mirror finishes on it. Wow. Yeah, so you'll see like there's a few people around and like the way the amount that they polish it up and the amount of shine that they do, like you'll actually see reflections of the cameraman in like a girl's ass or something like that <laughs> oh um, as they're, you know, like taking pictures and doing stuff. Yeah, those are really amazing pictures. And that's kind of like the the height of latex fetishism is like the the super shiny, super tight, heavy rubber and that kind of thing. 
So it's just it, it's just wearing it too. So it's not like you have to have sex to make this a fetish. Oh thing. no, it's it definitely just... helps. I, <laughs> no, so like I'm I, I'm personally just a very sexual person. Like so right now, I, you know, I'm I, I love fucking in latex. I love fucking people who are wearing latex. Yeah, like I'm just happy to wear it for a night. Yeah, you know, like it just it has a real great appeal, personal appeal to me. And there's a few other people um, around who like they're diehard latex fetishists who um, being again being from Queensland your options are a bit limited just because lots of people who might really get into latex are stopped by their heat and the humidity in Queensland but I've met a couple of people um, one girl who um, proper lesbian the, the pair of us no like prop like proper full-on just like doesn't really want anything to do with penises just no attraction to them like the pair of us put on like because we were like the only people at this party um we were like well let's like feel each other up and see what we can do for one another <laughs> yeah so i'll probably be talking to you throughout the course of the evening anyway but i'll let you get back to your party now thank you very much thank you so there you have it in the mind of one of our very own fetishers, fetishists. Now, if you're thinking, oh, he's just like a young nerd obsessed with latex, don't be so quick to judge. I found myself mesmerized watching him work that latex magic on a smoking hot woodland fairy later on that evening. No joke, when he touched my hand with those like silky gloves on, it was like I was being touched by, you know, like a microwave dildo, but way better because it was attached to a normal automated human being. (laughs) And she was, I can tell you, having the time of her life. So he knows what he's doing. Moving on, we went upstairs um, a little while later to watch what you would call a rope show, I think. So this, um, they've got a little stage upstairs and a little spotlight. And I did luckily get a bit of video footage of this. So hopefully I'll put that out soon so you can see it. But this was, oh man, pretty incredible. Essentially what it is, is a couple gets up on stage and he ties her up. And he tied her up in so many compromising positions where she I couldn't imagine how painful it would have been for her to be like, I mean, this is like twine rope that's just tied against her bare skin up like in between her legs, all wrapped all the way around her legs, around her waist. And she's kind of like spinning through the air at various points. Her arms from the very start were tied behind her back and she ends up completely suspended upside down with one leg tied to the ceiling and the other leg hogtied behind her. So she couldn't move. She's completely vulnerable, like a caterpillar, upside down, just hanging in midair. And one of the most amazing things that I noticed about this, and not only was it like quite beautiful to watch, but the amount of like the amount of power and physical presence that you need to have to be able to lay there suspended upside down and completely trust that person and deal with the pain and deal with being trapped like that for any number of minutes. Like there, I think the freakiest moment for me, it's, it's like anything. It's like when you climb up a tree and you get to the top of the tree and then you look down and go, fuck, now that I'm up here, how do I get down? Like I can imagine that it would be kind of fun starting to get tied up. But once you're tied up and you're there and you're hanging, 
just the panic of wanting to get out and realizing that it's going to take some time to get you out of there. Like when you start feeling really sore and annoyed and all the blood's rushing to your head, you can't just get out. Like he's got to untie you. And I couldn't believe how calm she was. And apparently these, this couple had been together for, I can't remember, over three years or something, and they've been doing this tying. Well, I think they've been together for over five, and they've been tying together for three years or something. So, And he's one of uh, the best in, um, in this community for what he does. He's like trained under one of the best masters or whatever. So he's very good at what he does. And you could tell. It's pretty, yeah, even me, not knowing what the fuck is going on, you could tell that this was something pretty special. Um, so, and nice segue from that, uh, this here interview in the same room where, uh, I interviewed the guy full of latex, covered in latex, I should say, I interviewed a girl who is a friend of mine who is also very much into the shibari rope tying stuff. So, please, enjoy. How are you? Yeah, really good. Good. What <laughs> brought you into this world? Um... I have to be honest with you, I volunteered for a photo shoot for Strong Bodies. Um, it was a nude photo shoot and the photographer had a big rack of rope lined up next to the studio and I asked, oh, do you do, you do shibari shoots? I've seen it before. And he's like, yeah, did you want to give it a try at the end of the shoot? Um, and he put me in a standard TK, a box tie, so my arm's tied behind my back. That one is, freaks me out. That one looks really rough. Yeah, well, it looks worse than it is um but that was my first introduction to it and it was like he- like heavenly it's really hard to describe it's like if you took a really small dose of mdma <laughs> i was just talking about mdma with him before yeah that's what it sounded like that's what he was describing when he was talking about his fetish and i was yes. like yeah i know that feeling but only from drugs yeah so it's very similar wow yeah on like a diluted sort of level yeah like just being stuck that way like when you're in it or after you get released or um, it's kind of a gradual fall into it. So it's sort of when it starts, you kind of relax and sort of let things take place. It's kind of like meditative, like you ready yourself for what's about to happen. Wow. Um, and then as it's happening, you just kind of process it in the spot, like you're very in the moment while it's happening. Yeah. And then afterwards, depending on how rough and how heavy or how deep you got into the, the play or the scene, um, depends on how long it lasts for afterwards. Wow. Yeah. The rougher, the better for the outcome. If, unless yeah. it hurts you. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the, the more intense, I guess, is probably a better way to put it. Um, so it depends on what you prefer. Like, I, I don't like pain very much. I can tolerate rope pain, but that's because I like rope. I think it's really intricate, really artistic, and it's a really nice way to connect. Beautiful. Those photos that you had on Instagram. Oh, you like them? Oh, yeah. my God. They were amazing So it's a really was nice way. That was the photographer that you met? Or? No, no, different. So yeah, is, Those are amazing photos. Thank you. That was really fun, yeah. So that kind of thing, like, um, I don't know if you saw in some of the photos my, my face. Yeah, very, yeah, a little bit of pain in yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> this is very explanatory, I guess, of, um, like, it's a really good kind of indication of what you'd be looking at when you get into rope it's really it can be really painful but it's it's sort of like a satisfying pain like something's is it a pain that you kind of like lean into and then it goes away like you kind of just like yeah like a tattoo I guess yeah yeah 100% so um one thing that you learn with with pain uh with sorry rope is um the more you try to fight the rope, the more pain you're going to put yourself in and not the fun kind. So if you struggle against the rope, like you tense your muscles or you try to lean away from a particular tie, um, 
you're only going to hurt yourself. And then as soon as you just relax and fall into the rope, like the pain doesn't go away, but it just becomes tolerable. Like yeah, your body yeah, just okay. kind of goes, okay, this is all right. Rather than being in, in a state of panic, yeah. it just kind of relaxes into it. <laughs> and so that was the lead on to this pretty much. Like, so then you, and, and you, I guess, I mean, it seems everyone's so goddamn friendly in here. Yeah. It's like you just really start making mates. Yeah. Yeah, you just become friends. Like I've got people in here that like, I mean, I, I generally only see a lot of these people at events, but when I see them, we're best friends. Yeah, like we talk about, like we talk like we've seen each other every day for the last ten years. It's really well, nice. I think when you go through some crazy shit like this, they talk about this a lot with fighting, like that you kind of have this like really intense um, bond with your trainer that you wouldn't normally expect, and yeah. it's because you go through battle together. Like yes. you face something that's so fucking daunting and scary. Yeah. So when you go through something like, because honestly, coming here, I was like getting the nerves, like yeah. oh. Like, I felt like I was having a fight. And I, I'm not even, like, planning on participating because yeah. I knew that I'd be a fucking a nervous wreck. Yeah. And even then I was... Yeah, you still get nervous. Yeah, that's normal, I think. I think that's with anything. Um, anything that challenges what you think is normal or maybe um, challenges what's easy for you as well. Like, this is still really tough for a lot of people. Like, I still struggle sometimes. I get nervous and self-conscious before I go. Sometimes I don't come to events because I'm like, well, I can't, you know... My anxiety prevents me from being around people too often. Um, but it's good to push past these things and, and just get it done. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. man. You, I, th- I feel like it's almost like little cracks inside your body armor. Like every time you do that, you expand a little bit more as a yes. human. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, that, that like um, partnership that you build with your trainer, you get that a lot with um, any kind of partnership that you have in kink. So whether it's like a DS, like a dom sub or a master-slave relationship or... Even, you know, just a sort of an even matched partnership, like you build a connection with that person that you wouldn't have even with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or something like that. It's just something Yeah, totally there's different. no other life shit tied to it. It's just a physical action. Huh? It's or a physical intentionally encounter. creating a kind of safety that you wouldn't normally be able to get. Wow. Because you can just say it what you need and that's what you get. How many of, of these kind of events have you been to? Um, I come to these ones every month. So this is be I think this is their fourth, um, and then I try to go to the rope events probably every second Sunday. Yeah. Okay. So I come pretty often. Yeah. yeah. And the rope events are things that you're learning how to tie better. Yeah. yeah. And be tied better yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. In those, is so I didn't actually I wasn't able to stay for the whole workshop. So in the workshop, by the end of it, do you are you fully properly tied? Yeah, you, you can be. Um, I think at the workshop that you went to was a beginner's one, so I don't think anyone got properly tied in uh, that. I think it was more just like a how to tie basic knots and, and understanding where the superficial nerves are under the basic It was so ones. cute. That guy that was teaching it looked like he just walked out of BCF. Yeah, he's I, lovely, I, I thought he? it was so cute. I yeah. was like, this guy could have been hiking Mount Warning this yeah. morning. Yeah, and that's what you'll find with <laughs> most of these people. Like, they're all just normal weirdos, you know? Yeah. Every I mean. day. <laughs> Wow, that's fucking awesome. And you were saying, too, just before, that you haven't participated in anything else except for rope at these events. So you've been here four times to these events, but you still haven't participated in Yeah. So, um, interestingly enough, my main kink is voyeurism. I actually just really enjoy watching everybody enjoy themselves. What's Um, your favorite thing to watch? Oh, oh, impact. I don't know why. Impact. It's it's so challenging to watch, but it's so good, I guess. Um, Can you describe that for people that don't so impact is um, it can range from just general spanking, so like a light slap on the bum, to um, repeated spankings, and then moving up to your paddles, canes, whips, riding crops, um, all the way up to just kicking, 
straight, like, hardcore kicking. Um, and it can... Hardcore kicking. Like, man, kicking, man. kicking. Yeah, hopefully you get to see that, like, uh, actual proper Muay Thai kicking. It's really, yeah. Um, and it's confronting, I guess, because the person being kicked... It's hard, like you make such good friends with the people in the scene. It's really hard at the beginning to watch someone that you care about being subjected to that. But you have to keep reminding yourself that they're there for a reason and this is they want to be doing this. So I guess that's that's a tricky part for that. But I just really love the connection between the saddest and the masochist, or you know, or whatever dynamic that they're in. I like that connection between them. Yeah, because you have to create so much fucking safety you have to trust someone 100% to let them do that to you and to know when to stop, to know what they can and can't do without you having to say, all right, move to the left, do this, one more. Like, yeah, yeah, just being able to just fall into that person. I don't think that that is my main thing. Like, I I was like, I would consider doing something, but there has to be all these rules on how it's going to be done. And that, I think... And that's the same with anyone. Like, I've, I have so many rules. Sometimes I just don't bother playing with people because I'm like, I don't want to give you the list, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, a lot of the time I don't really engage in much because, like, I've just got so much that I'm not, I'm not quite ready to work through yet. And that's interesting. So nobody would, like, find you gross or weird for watching them do sex stuff with each other or any of that stuff. No. No, absolutely not. Part of the reason why people come to places like this is because you can watch. All of these doors, all of these rooms have an open door policy during the events. So um, if they didn't want to be watched, they wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I've got to get, let, let you get back to that party. Thank you so much. That's okay. Thank you. Yeah. So it, it kind of makes sense. It's like a slow creep. It's like um, rope stuff is the gateway drug into king. <laughs> but also, actually, the person that I'm about to now interview she said that wax play is one of the best ways to get involved in kink. And that one, once she described it to me, I was kind of like, yeah, actually, I think that's something that I could possibly get involved in. I don't know if I could handle being tied up and then having wax stripped all over my body and certainly not to the extreme that she's about to describe. So get ready, hold on to your hats um, because this is pretty fucking hectic. But I like the idea of getting a bit of candle wax stripped on me from time to time. Maybe. Why not? So... This is the last one of my interviews, and then I'm going to get back on to the sto- continuing the story of the party. This girl is a member of what they call Brisbane Leather Pride, and it's a group of people that are trying to promote safety and well-being in the BDSM community. Obviously, as you can imagine, when you got somebody tied up, like I've fucking been hammering this home, like constantly talking about it, but it's so important that you trust the person that's tying you up like a cocoon from the ceiling you know you you got to trust that that person's going to a know what they're doing not pinch a nerve in your skin and give you permanent nerve damage that they're not going to try and touch you or cut you or leave you there hanging or whatever that you have an exact rule set because you're so vulnerable you are so fucking vulnerable in that position there is literally nothing you can do if you don't trust that person or things go wrong and they leave you there you're in huge fucking trouble and not to mention the stuff that this girl gets into she she's really into her medical play which is needles that kind of shit but i'm gonna let her speak for herself here so hi thank you so much for sitting down with me so how did you get into this? You roughly just kind of told me before, <laughs> but let's hear the story. Um, so after 
been with my husband for 11 years and buying a house and setting up a home and about to have kids. Uh, one day he came home and said that he was no longer in love with me. Um, so after the separation and breakup, I've just kind of created uh, a list of things that I've always wanted to do as an individual, but maybe felt a bit, not oppressed, but not the freedom that I could do. So on the list was tattoo, um, travel to Europe, travel by myself and explore BDSM. <laughs> so BDSM is your king. Yes, BDSM is my king. Cool. And what aspects of it do you like? Yeah, um, so I've been in the scene for um, just over three years now. So I've explored a few different things. Um, I moved through the submissive side of things. Um, I did heavy impact, done baseball bats. I've copped a cattle prod in the vagina several times. Um, it's just really weird to see to test your body to see if you can actually do it. Um, so unfortunately, I then had a car accident. <laughs> um, like, oh, so no, my body can do this too. Yeah. Um, so I actually kind of changed directions. So I started to learn to top. So instead of give, uh, so instead of receiving someone's impact and things like that, um, I learned how to top and started to tie. So I do rope. Um, I do wax sensation play and things like that. Um, and that's kind of emerged a new side of my personality, which is quite nice. Cool. So, so yeah. it's like developing a bit more confidence in you. Yeah. And it's been really interesting because so many people you talk to and say, they say, like, when they enter, I'm, I'm a submissive. I'm 100% submissive. There's no chance I could ever see myself topping anyone. Yeah, yeah. Give it six months and you get a clearer idea in regards to what you like, who you are and the lack of importance labels really mean. Yeah, and do you know, I was talking with this, uh, with Priestess on the podcast a while ago about that idea. Like, she thinks that there is an extreme amount of confidence to be able to be a bottom, I guess you call it a bottom, or like a submissive, to the point where you completely let go to let somebody else do the thing, like complete let go. You have to have so much confidence to be able to do that. Yeah. And so in order, like I can see that, like over time you develop this element of confidence and you're like, wait, no, I think I could try that. Like I think I could go there. Yeah, and it's not only that, but also believing that you can get there and experience that and um, the endorphins definitely help and the adrenaline that gets going is... A little bit of addictive. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's why a lot of people that come into the scene straight off, um, they want to try everything straight off, like absolutely want it all. Um, and that's called sub frenzy. <laughs> um, what happens? <laughs> yeah, like people burn bright, but they, they just have too much too fast and what goes up must come down. So um, unfortunately, it is one of those things that you just have to be aware of. Um, your body obviously responds to different sensations and feelings and experiences in different ways. Um, so you do learn a lot about yourself, what you're willing to take, um, building relationships and communication skills as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, and knowing where your lines are, I imagine, is yes, really important. Yes, because not only do you have to trust the top that they know where your line is, but they've got to trust you to call it if you're there. So that's a huge amount of trust required. And so what's your kind of stuff that you like to do the best now? Um, it's funny this <laughs> um, I 
you do it, you start to try things just to see if you can do it. Um, so one of my friends is big into medical and needle play. Oh my God, I just was introduced to this that other week when I started at this whole, like, that was the first thing I opened the door and I was like, oh shit, that's a thing. Yeah. Um, Whoa. So I've been part of performances and things like that. Um, so in particular, I'm, this is sad, um, I'm known for getting needles in my vagina. Wow, uh, in what way, how? In particular, uh, the labia lips. Okay. Um, so, and because needles feel different all over your body and like it's to the point where it feels different each day because your hormones are changing, your body is changing, etc. Um, your muscles are tighter particular days. So sometimes it'll be pinchy, other times it won't. Um, so it is kind of like a, a bit of a moving target, which is kind of cool. Um, I get to bond with a friend. Um, she's one of my best mates. Um, and try something different. Yeah. So, yeah. Fuck. And does she just go straight through, like, sew them together or just put them in? Yeah, or? so I've had them stapled together. <laughs> um, probably wouldn't... So that was my first medical scene. Probably wouldn't recommend that as a first for everyone. <laughs> um, in particular because we pumped it straight after to stretch the skin and just see what would happen. Um yeah, so that was interesting. Um, I do uh, needles from the inside to out on the labia lips. Uh, I've done saline injections um, to the labia lips so it puffs it out. Um, and when you stab that, there's so much blood. Um, so in, obviously blood can be either fun to play with or turn on or things like that. Um, and then as I just showed you... Um, I have done an internal candle pour into my vagina. <laughs> so this is hot candle wax going so inside. So it is special purpose candle wax for um, wax play. So the cool thing about wax play is that it's literally you drip it onto your skin, the sensation gets in, um, not only heat but also kind of the feeling of the drips. Um, and depending on what you've got around you, music was anything like that, you can zone so fast with wax play. Um, so the wax they use is soy-based with as minimal additives as possible just to minimise risk. Uh, we did a number of pours um, just on hands and things like that, testing the different types of waxes, colour waxes, wax mixtures, just to see what would be safe and what would um, cause the, the less risk, <laughs> I suppose. Um but yeah, and then it's... And so how did that actually work? Like you're sitting in a ver like vertical-ish type of position, I suppose. So I was laying down and I had my hips elevated with my legs above my head. Um, so we did, um, we did the saline injections first um, to puff out the, the labia lips. We may have put vampire teeth in there just to get a couple of photos. <laughs> I did see those vampire teeth. Um, so, you know, just for something special. Um, and then we've kind of gone, um, started pouring. So, took it slowly. Um, high level of communication, a lot of people in the room. Um, and, yeah, just kind of it was hilarious and funny and ridiculously like 
to me, it looked harder than it actually was. But at that point of time, you've kind of beat out all the nerves and things like that, and you're just riding the high. Wow. And then they were able to pull it out, and now you have a mold of the inside of your vagina. Yes, which I lovingly donated to the owners of 33. Because we've got videos of the removal of the mold and you can literally hear the owners screaming, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Oh, so I'm like, mm, they, yeah, they, they got a lot it. out of that. So. Oh, that's crazy. Will you do something like that tonight, do you think? Will you get involved in some of that? Um, to or maybe not, not wax. Uh, tonight I am doing two scenes. Um, I'm topping with rope and sensation uh, and I'm bottoming for, I think, wax. Still halfway through the negotiation process on that. Um, but it'll just be like basic kind of... It's almost meditative for wax. Like that's that's the easiest thing to get into when you first start. Um, it's just... It's a lovely experience to connect with that person um, and for them to take you on the kind of journey. Okay. And so a lot of this stuff, the consent is arranged beforehand. So like you said, you said that tonight, like almost like you were booked to do something. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. So this is already, how long out did you pre-plan this? Um, so it depends on the individual if we've played together before or not. Um, I, in particular, usually book play kind of two to three days out just because if you bring in equipment, check in headspace and everything that you do is kind of um, with the caveat of, yep, yeah, if we're both good to go on the night. Yeah. So it's the safety net just to kind of make sure that you feel safe and comfortable. Wow. So, I think yeah. this place is just absolutely my place. Well, yeah. I'm going to let you get back to the party. <laughs> Please go enjoy the party. Thank you. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine getting your vagina hole filled up with wax. Like, the, um, I've got a picture of it, so if you have a look at my website and probably on the post to this uh, thing, you'll fucking in, internet stuff, social media stuff, you get to see the photo that I took of it. But it's your, do we call it a caliper? I can't remember. I don't know what it's called. But when you go in to get like your annual exam, they put this thing inside your vagina that holds the hole open so that the doctor can go in there and poke around and stuff and make sure that you don't have any diseases. And this, so this mold that they did, they stuck that thing in there, opened her hole right up and then filled it up with wax and stuck a set of teeth in there, a little skull on top of it. It was a little skull candle, and then they lit the candle on fire. It was <laughs> I saw the photos of it because I met the girl that actually filled up this girl's vagina with wax. I met her later on in the evening. <laughs> it was exciting, to say the least. Well, exciting is maybe not quite the word. Just like I was getting a bit overwhelmed by just the pure imagery of this. And then I went out into the hallway and, see, and saw the inside of this wax mold. It doesn't look particularly impressive when you don't understand what it is, but then when you hear the story of how it came to be, it's pretty fucking crazy. So, let's get back to the party. I uh, went back upstairs after I'd finished these interviews, and I, I could tell it was probably time to stop doing the interviews because the, I could just feel the general sense that the party was starting to kick off. There was definitely a lot more people around. There was people in every room milling about walking around and when I went back upstairs the music was going everybody was starting to really you know kick off enjoy themselves they were when you walk up into the upstairs region there were people getting whipped in the uh, general shackles area there was a person bent over on one of the leather chairs uh, ass just 
rife with red marks. So they were getting whipped. A couple girls making out on the floor in that general area. It looked like they were kind of just finishing the scene that they had just done with each other. And then the next room over, there were a couple people being tied uh, not on the stage, just in a little private room. Kind of all of these rooms are open, though, so you can see into everything as you're walking past. A couple of people getting tied and hung by ropes, and then the next room over was my worst nightmare: was the old uh, latex vac bed where people are getting sucked into this <laughs> latex oh, vacuum sealed into it. My friend did tell me later that he was uh, happy to vacuum seal me into the bed if I wanted to later, but I. Oh, I didn't quite have the courage. It was way too overstimulated for me. Perhaps later on, if I go back to one of these things and have another conversation with these people to get more footage, I like how I throw that in there, like, oh, just to get more footage. (laughs) If I go back, maybe I'll end up inside that bed. Maybe not. Who knows? Then we went around, uh, I, we, me, myself, went around the corner to the last room upstairs, and this is what they call the medical room. So this is where... The needle stuff goes on. So as I was walking in there, a priestess came up to me and she said, hey, if you're interested in looking at some medical stuff today, we've got some hard medical players here tonight and they're about to do a scene if you'd like to uh, have a look. And if when priestess tells me that somebody's about to do hard medical play, I know that it's she's not fucking around because she's the person that told me about sewing people's dicks together and stuff. So I know that Shit's about to get real in this room. I went in and met the ladies that were involved. And uh, luckily, I had enough time to chat with them. But while they were getting set up, and they were happy for me to film the thing. So I will actually be able to show you what this looked like for real uh, with visual context. (laughs) Holy shit. It took them about a half an hour to get set up. So I was in there just chatting away with them. They were sterilizing the whole place, laying down drop sheets for any blood sterilizing the girl's body that was about to get uh, needles stuck into her. And then when they were finally ready, they got started. And the top was like a middle-aged lady. And she, like like the, uh, pro- probably like a primary school teacher, you could imagine. Like she was that kind of person. She was really sweet. She started putting needles through the girl's cheek. The girl had like a, a similar concept to the vagina calipers, but like a thing that locked onto her jaw that kept her mouth open. And they were, she put 25 18 gauge needles into this girl's cheeks from the outside in on either side of her cheeks and then straight up through her bottom lip by the time they were done. This girl was so fucking tough. I, 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 I've seen people cry because they got kicked in the leg. Like imagine having 25 needles pushed through your face. And this, she couldn't say anything because the thing was holding her mouth open, but they had prearranged signals that like, this is okay, that's not okay, whatever. And that she had a phone in front of her that she could text into if she was uh, needed to communicate anything. And it was pretty amazing to watch. I felt like I was watching, I felt similar to the way I feel like at a fight show, but just in a totally different dynamic. Like you have this person the top who's putting needles through someone's face, but she was kind of in the capacity of the way our trainers are like you two, the two of you together have committed to doing this really intense thing. And it's the trainer's job to get you through it 
no matter what. And when you get in there, whatever's going on, you feel like quitting, you feel like it's not a good idea or whatever, that trainer is, it has to have so much wherewithal to assess where you're at and make sure that this is something that you should be continuing on with or to pull the pin and get the fuck out of there. Pull the pin? I don't know if that's the right term. Pull the plug? I don't know. So the trainer has to be watching her every move. And, and so this top is sitting there watching her. She's asking her every single time the needle goes in, are you okay? Is that all right? How are we doing? She's watching her. She's telling her to breathe. She's getting her to slow down, relax her body because this girl has asked for this thing to be done to her. And she knows that this is the person that's going to give her what she wants. <laughs> it was so intense. Oh. So I was in there watching this thing and the, the girl's girlfriend was in there watching. A couple of their friends were around. They were taking photos. They're chatting. She's laughing. She's taking really big, deep breaths. And uh, I could feel just like tension growing outside. So I put all my recording equipment away. I needed to just have a little break. So I went outside into the main general area and it felt distinctly like the climax of the party was approaching. I couldn't find my friend, a friend of mine, the friend of mine that came with me, I couldn't find her anywhere. So I started like kind of systematically walking my way through the whole party. And I don't, I, I have no conscious awareness of time at this point, but it must have been 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock at night. And so I'm kind of like wandering around, poking my head into every room. I went back downstairs to the uh, dungeon area and first like peeked into the dungeon and there was just a man, completely naked, spread-eagled, with a erection, getting whipped on the dominatrix wheel. <laughs> and I, as soon as I like poked my head in there, I just felt like immediately ashamed, like that I just, you know, like oh fuck, I've never seen somebody's erection unless it was on a television screen, or unless it was my fault, you know, like that I had caused the erection to happen. <laughs> so like I, I was wasn't. I wasn't a part of it, but there was a bunch of other people standing there watching, seeing what was going on, and he was obviously enjoying himself, and she was enjoying herself. So I sort of slipped out of there and went uh, around to the next room. In there, there was another man, different man, getting hosed and whipped by a girl in the long black dress. Um, he was shackled to a stainless steel wall while she was hosing him down completely naked and his ass was bright red and bruised from the whip then uh went past the next room where there was a lady curled up kind of in the fetal position on a bed with a bunch of people standing around her and one man this big tall giant man in all black was whipping her and slapping her and she kept saying more no more and then slapping him so obviously they had a kind of ununderstood dynamic and all the people around them were watching and then um <laughs> fuck and then the next room there were two women like sort of laughing and helping each other get dressed because they must have obviously just finished their scene and they were kind of hugging each other and getting dressed after whatever had just gone on and then uh I made it to the last room downstairs it was the same room that I had uh done these interviews earlier and it was just a couple doing like some really intense oral sex stuff on a chair and the chair is facing the doorway so I like w went to walk by and looked in there to see if my friend was in there and then all of a sudden I'm just like watching a couple doing oral sex <laughs> 
And I felt so embarrassed. Again, just the same like embarrassment. Like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't. I'm sorry. And I, I had to stop myself from apologizing because I didn't want to. They were didn't even they didn't, couldn't give a fuck if I was there or not there. I think probably I mean, the whole point is that everybody wants to be watching everybody. That's the point of these parties. So they were probably stoked that I was there watching. But I, you know, just I, I could I was like, oh, do I leave? Do I say I just need to go? My friend's not in here. So I did then finally find her. She was out the front. She'd gone out for a smoke and had gotten locked out of the house so she couldn't get back in. Um, And she'd been out there for 30 minutes. Um, So I was fucking, I felt terrible. But I was so, like, I I really felt like it was a distinct climax of this party. Like everything was kind of all going on at once. And I was just so much sensory overload. Um, I kind of, like, was a bit giddy. I pulled her back inside and I was like, all right, well, um, I don't know. Do you want to come and see what's going on in here? And she was like, yeah, of course, sure, why not? Um, so then we walked back in through the hallway to the bedrooms. And this time when we went past the bedroom, the people that were doing the oral sex now were doing, like, proper sex stuff. They still had all their clothes on, but there was definitely penetration going on, like, up against the wall. And then now a man in uh, four-inch bright red stiletto heels was behind them on the bed making the woodland nymph scream in ecstasy (laughs) with his silky black latex gloves it was it was just fucking mind bending you know like though oddly this time somehow I felt like less of a creep watching them while my friend was standing next to me And there were more people kind of collecting in the hallway because that's, I mean, that is the thing. I felt weird standing there on my own watching them, but, like, when there was a group of us watching them, it didn't feel so bad. I don't know. That's a classic, like, group thing. Um, And, like I said before, the amazing thing, even at this really intense climactic moment where there's all this sex stuff going on, I never felt, like, hunted or preyed upon. It was... It really was like I wasn't a part of the thing. It was more like I was watching an interactive play with a bunch of people who were hired actors. They all just kind of did their thing around me, and whether I was there or not, it was up to me whether I felt like entertained or ashamed or horny or happy or scared or whatever. It made no difference to any of them what I thought because they were all so comfortable and happy just doing their thing with each other. So it was really crazy. It's like we think we have like, oh, that's gross, or oh, that's cool, or none of that. Like no fucking judgment even mattered because they were gonna do whatever they did, whether I was there or not. So it's kind of humbling in a way. It was kind of like I went there with this conception that I was gonna go to a sex party and all these like freaks were gonna like try and touch me or something, which was stupid because no one gave a fuck of whether I was there or not. Um. Now, priestess was there. She was around all night. She was always kind of making sure I was comfortable. And all of the owners of 33 that I'd previously met were really nice. And this other crazy thing, too, is that the whole place was totally under control, even though, to me, it looked like pure chaos. Like, I could feel, you know the difference between, like, if you're in a riot and it's chaos and shit's going to go down, there's a tangible fear in the air. But or even like at a house party with somebody's like starting a fight or someone's too drunk or whatever. But like I didn't feel any of that this whole night. It was chaos because I was just a pure sensory overload. There was people screaming in certain rooms. There was sounds of whips. There was chains. There was all this shit. But there was no sense of chaos. It was like a pure sense of calm everywhere you went. Um, 
people were like laughing, smiling, milling around. And there was, I, again, like not one single person that was obviously drunk or being obnoxious at all. Everyone was like quite mild mannered, almost like disconcertingly mild mannered, almost like that was, that was a part of playing the game to be there. You know, it was like, it was a part of the environment to be in. You had to be this person that like was totally open-minded and kind and polite. Um, we left the hallway then to go back upstairs and we watched a middle-aged lady in six inch platform heels walking on a middle-aged man's naked stomach and face. <laughs> he was laying on the floor. <laughs> he was in like budgie smugglers, like a guy, like an, a man, your dad at the beach. Um, and he was just laying there like moaning in pleasure as her heels sunk into his body and through his chest into his sternum into his belly and then he also like at one point like grabbed her foot and put it on his face so that she would dig her heel into his cheek um I knew he was having a good time because his anatomy was giving him away and at the same time as being sort of impressive that he could handle that much pain it was totally horrific to watch <laughs> I don't know I mean so then we went back upstairs. Um, I wanted I wanted to go and see what how the medical girls were getting on because I knew that that wasn't that was just the start of it. Like the twenty five needles through her face were only the start of what they were going to get up to. So I went back up there and it was like I was in a fucking time warp because I didn't realize how long I'd been gone. I went back up there and I'd missed the entire thing. The girl who was getting all the needles in her body was just laying on the bed, completely covered in blood, and the top. Uh, the person doing the needles was just wiping alcohol over any little areas that were still bleeding. The girl was in this like state of calm ecstasy, tired. And again, exactly like what a fighter looks like after they've been through a fight, just kind of like in this state of dazed awe, relaxation. Like you could tell she'd had a full adrenaline dump and she was in this like calm meditative state after it was over. Um, I chatted with them as they like kind of wrapped her up into the drop sheet and then she left with a friend to go and have a shower and get rid of all the blood. And the top um, said to me, that girl's one of a kind. I've only played with her a couple times before and it's it's kind of amazing how well she does. Um, apparently this lady, this top that I was talking to is known to, is, is, I don't even know if I'm using that term right either. So priestess, if you're listening to this, please do correct me if I'm an idiot. Um, but she said that she's known to play quite hard, which means that it's similar to the way that priestess is like, if you want to get needles through your dick, this is the person to talk to because she doesn't shy away from doing some crazy shit, but obviously only if that's what you want. Um, so she said to me that she doesn't do, she doesn't do needle play with just anyone. She really has to get to know them and know what they're like before she'll do it. And so she kind of sussed this girl out and, um, was pretty amazed that she did in the end. And I was so impressed with this girl's toughness. I, I fucking can't believe how tough she was. Imagine, I don't even know what needles went where in her body because I missed the whole thing, but she was bleeding. There was blood everywhere. And she wasn't even bleeding out of her face. And her face had 25 18-gauge needles put through her face. And I will show you a photo of that because I've got that from my camera. So... There was this weird, that was one other thing too that I noticed about it. There was this like weird air of pride and intense bonding in the room. I mean, again, just exactly the same way I felt after a fight. 
And, um, but I felt really weird. I think I was starting to come down after the climax a little bit. Like I just started feeling, I was like totally overstimulated. I was thinking about all the hard parts and soft parts of bodies that I'd just seen and how alien, but yet comfortable everything had been, how friendly everyone was, but how fucking hectic the stuff was that was going on. And I didn't really know how much more my brain or body could really handle. I like that just had this massive wave of exhaustion hit me. And I went out back in the open to try and find my friend and see what she was thinking if we were ready to go home. And I realized at this point it was past midnight and I'd been there for almost four hours. <laughs> and so as I was walking around the party looking for my friend, I it was like weirdly calm everywhere. I noticed that there were definitely a few less people there. So people had kind of started to dwindle off and go home. But it's really hard to tell how many people were actually at the party from the start because uh, the place is so big. But I'd say there was at least 100, 150 people there. Um, and any normal party that I've ever been to when it gets to the later stages of this party, like this party was supposed to finish at 2 a.m., so we were only a couple hours away from the end. There was no drunk idiots. Like, I can't, I can't stress this enough. There was no, like, people, like gurning on the couch their jaws like fucking old cows you know there was none of that going on there was no people passed out on the floor nobody stumbling around knocking glasses over no there was no mess there was no stink of beer or anything in the air it was just like oddly calm and, and the odd occasional sound of somebody getting whipped or whatever through the music but besides that it was like just a bunch of polite and probably almost overly polite weirdos and I think it's like that for a few reasons. Um, the cosplay theme probably put me in this state of mind, and we talked about it a little bit on the way home. But um, So I'll have to go to another party <laughs> in the future to know uh, if it's always like this or if it was just the kind of cosplay theme brought in more of this type of character. But it reminded me of kind of like a really sexy supernova or Comic-Con. Like it's the same group, group of people, like misfits, weirdos, people that are on the fringe, people who are socially anxious or socially awkward, and they've all kind of found a place where they can be that and no one gives a shit, like no one's judging them for that. It was still, the thing about this though too is that it's not, uh, it's not perfect, like there's still definitely a hierarchy. There was VIPs and there were people that were better at rope than other people you know there are people that were like exalted masters in that room like people that were well known in the community to be uh you know had higher status in the community and stuff so there's you you can't even in I, th I think there's this new popular wave of thinking like just be yourself no judgment do whatever you want to do or whatever and we're all equal. All of us are equals all across the board. There was an element of that, definitely. There was no judgment. Nobody was being critical of each other. There was discernment and there was kindness. Um, and like the freedom to be whatever you wanted to be without anyone judging you. But at the same time, there's still a hierarchy. There's still people that were better at it than others. There are better looking people than others. There are people that were more sought after to be played with and people that were not sought after to be played with. Um, I didn't feel it in a creepy way at all. And I felt, actually noticed that I went to Supernova one time um, and I noticed that there was even bullying going on in a Supernova. Like these are people that are notoriously being bullied their whole lives um, and they all get together and get to be themselves and wear their costumes and talk about games and meet their superheroes and shit. And oh, my friend got bullied by a bunch of cunts at that place too. So it's like... Um, 
that shit happens. But even last night, like there, I, I didn't see a person crying. I didn't see anyone feeling upset. I don't know if, I'm sure that that dynamic does go on in these communities, but it was pretty amazing how none of that was happening. And I think, yeah, everyone was kind of on their best behavior a little bit. I think um, it's their night out to do what they want. And I think in that community, being an asshole actually makes you part of the out group if that makes sense. Like, so if you were to come up with judgment, you'd probably be ousted a little bit. So you'd, and you'd ruin the vibe or whatever, and you'd probably make people feel uncomfortable. So it's not, it's frowned upon to be just judgmental in that environment, which could be a bad thing, I guess, if it got magnified to a greater group of beings where somebody starts doing something really fucked up and people are too afraid to speak out against it. But, um, I think by all the rules that they put into play and all of the really intense formalities they put on against consent, I think you probably have at least less of that than you would otherwise. So it is, it's kind of like a little bit of a sacred space of weird shit. And this mutual expectation of respect is sort of the only thing that kind of keeps it in balance. So it could be a, I think it's a good thing in this particular environment, uh, in a controlled environment, in a party, I think it was a good thing. There is as some criticism to it, being said that like fuck if you're gonna fuck people just fuck people like get crazy don't bother with all this like fanfare but um now now I think kind of seeing it especially seeing the medical stuff you can see how badly something could go wrong if these two people weren't in total agreement about what was going on it makes sense more now that I've seen it um it seemed like a lot of bureaucracy to start with but it isn't at all like you really need a clear line in the sand so it was good to see that anyways in real life but by the end of the night, I ended up getting home. I think I went to bed around 1.30 or something, and I was so fucking tired. I could barely tell Melina about it when I got back because I just didn't even know where to begin, where to start. So I went to sleep, and I, in the middle of the night, I woke up with this like amazing insight like that I had solved the problem of it because I came home a bit conflicted because I was kind of cynical and jaded about the whole situation. Like, are people really that nice? Are they really that happy? And then at the same time, I was kind of like, well, but fuck, this is the only place that people can do shit like that. It's better they're doing it here in a safe environment than out in the world. And I was really like tying my brain up in knots about it. And I woke up in the middle of the night with this like amazing insight. I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to remember that. I better say that in the podcast. And then, of course, I forgot. So will I go back? Who knows? Maybe, possibly. Um, stay tuned on my, uh, Facebook slash Instagram, uh, YouTube or whatever. I will hopefully have some video footage of this up, um, over the next coming months and any of the other footage that I've got from this and the lovely, wonderful people at Haven 33 have also, um, agreed to consider hosting a live podcast at Haven 33 one time. Um, so I believe I will be interviewing one of my friends who's a stand-up comedian. So we will do a stand-up comedy night, have, um, some comedians perform for you, and then we will sit down and do a live podcast. I haven't got all the details sorted yet, but that will be something in the pipeline down in the future. So thank you so much for listening, uh, for bearing with me on that long rambling journey through the world of kink and fetish. If uh, you like this content and you want to hear more of it or whatever, you want to support the podcast, you can do that at patreon.com slash Lorna Bremner or lornabremner.com and click support the podcast. Also, just follow me on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And uh, yeah, great. If you have any people that you want me to interview or ideas you want me to talk about, always send them in. I love hearing from you. Thank you for listening.